Hi everyone, great to be with you again. We are working through a series in John's Gospel where we're finding people encountering Jesus. And today we're going to look at encountering healing. What I'm going to do, rather than read the story for you today, is walk you through it. Now you've always got to ask, why does an author write what he does? And John tells us explicitly the reason for writing his account about the life of Jesus. He tells us near the end of his account. He says this, these signs are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he proceeds through his account to slowly and deliberately unveil who Jesus is. He does that through the words that Jesus says, through the claims that Jesus makes about himself, and through the encounters that people have with Jesus, often miraculous encounters. And today's encounter is about the healing of a blind man, which becomes the occasion for Jesus to teach about the spiritual blindness of those who oppose him and the need that we all have to be released from darkness into light, to be released from spiritual blindness. Now, there are five healings from blindness in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, but this is by far the longest, the most interesting and the funniest. But to start, we need to go back. We need to go back to where chapter 8 left off. Chapter 8 left us with Jesus having been in dispute with the Jewish religious leaders over what he's been doing and particularly the claims that he's been making about himself. And it ends, chapter 8 ends with Jesus making this outrageous claim. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, in the English language, that in one sense doesn't quite work. But Jesus is not making a chronological statement. He's not just saying before Abraham was, I was, though he is saying that. He's eternally existed. He's claiming to be God. He's using the great Old Testament name and revelation for who God is. I am who I am and using it for himself. The so they, because of what he's saying, their reaction is really extreme, but understandable. The Bible, the last verse tells us this in chapter 8, and this, what Jesus had just said, they picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Tension is rising. And then you get here to chapter 9. And at the start of chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples come across a man who is blind. And he's been blind since he was born. Now, as I said, it's the funniest of all the blindness healing stories in the Gospels. And it starts with the fact that he doesn't seem to ask to be healed. Maybe he did, but we're not told that. What we find is that Jesus spits on the ground makes some mud with his saliva and the dust and then puts it on the man's eyes. The man is told by Jesus to go off and wash in the pool of Siloam, which he does. And as this man washes in this pool, he finds for the first time in his life that he can see. Which must have been very emotional and taken a huge amount of getting used to. I don't know if you've ever 
seen videos of people who are deaf hearing for the first time. It's very emotional. The impact on them is enormous. The impact on this man of seeing for the first time is very difficult for us to imagine. And though he knows the name of the man who's healed him, he knows he's called Jesus, for most of the story, he doesn't know who Jesus is. And of course, he doesn't know what Jesus looks like. Well, it's such an extraordinary miracle that a discussion begins among this man's neighbours. And those who knew him, verses 8 to 9, tell us this. They're saying, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was, but others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. It's like some people think, well, it can't possibly be him because he was a blind beggar. Now this guy's walking around me. I don't know, maybe he's got a twin brother that we just have never met or something like that. And that guy has got to stand up for himself and say, no, it really is me. I can now see. And then the religious authorities get involved. Because rather than rejoicing with this man in what God has done for him, they're seriously ticked off that Jesus has dared to mix up some mud and healed on the Sabbath, on the Jewish holy day, when all work, including healing and including kneading dough, and I guess maybe that's what counted as you know, the prohibition on making up some mud, on all work was considered sinful on the Sabbath, unless there was a really life-threatening situation. I can imagine the disciples. If I'd been one of those disciples, perhaps a timid one, I would have wanted to say to Jesus, look, they're really annoyed with you already. Did you really have to do this on the Sabbath? Surely you could have waited and seen this guy the next day and healed him then. You, you must have been able to imagine the tension you're stirring up here. Anyway, so the, the religious leaders send for the man's parents. And they say to him, is this your son? Was he really born blind? They're trying to verify what earth has gone on here. And then they call the man back and start interrogating him again, to which maybe he's fed up now with these guys and he starts lecturing the leaders, for which they decide to throw him out of the synagogue and ban him. They've excommunicated him. This guy was separated because he was blind. Now he's separated because he can see. Anyway, let's go back to the start of the story. As they're going along, verse 2, his disciples asked him, they'd seen this blind man, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so here we have the regular cause and effect understanding among Jews of the time. That sickness and suffering was at least partly due to sin, even the parents' sin. And conversely, that blessing was the result of good behaviour. It's really interesting to me that the disciples immediately assume that. They don't ask, did someone sin, that he should be like this? They just assume someone must have done. Was it him or his parents that he should be like this? Well, in the Old Testament, the book of Job was written to counter such a simplistic cause and effect 
belief, but it's actually still a common belief in much of the world. Superstition works like that, I suppose. The principle of karma in many parts of the world works like that. What you've done in this life or a previous life will produce certain outcomes for you in the current life. So some of you might remember an ex-England football team manager by the name of Glenn Hoddle, who had all sorts of interesting views, but he was, con he was sacked as England manager for some very controversial statements along this kind of line. He was sacked for controversial statements that the disabled and others are being punished for sins in a former life. That's hugely controversial and insulting, but it works off this principle of cause and effect. Someone must have sinned if this is the result. Well, it's also interesting that feeling the need for a neat answer why someone is sick or suffering, Christians sometimes can fall for a Christianized version of cause and effect. Uh, a Christian leader and writer by the name of R.C. Sproul tells this story. He had a friend um, who was at a Bible college and he would come and stay with R.C. Sproul. And this friend had cerebral palsy. And one day this friend uh, wanted to chat and he was clearly a bit upset, ended up in tears, wanting to chat to R.C. Sproul and told him that some friends at the Bible college had wanted to pray for him, to pray that God would heal him of his cerebral palsy. So they prayed for him. He wasn't healed. And they said to him, it's because you don't have enough faith. So they prayed again, and again he wasn't healed. And this time they said to him, well, what you need to do is you need to claim your healing. Believe you've been healed and you will be healed. They prayed again. He wasn't healed. They said to him the third time, they said, well, you must have some secret sin going on. But like this story here in John chapter 9. You must have some secret sin going on. So this guy confessed every sin he knew of and could think of that he might ever have done, even if he'd repented before. And then they prayed again and he wasn't healed. And then the final straw, really, was that they said to him, Harvey, you must be demon possessed. And so they proceeded to try and cast out this non-existent demon. We should be careful about things like that. Well, Jesus refuses to give a cause and effect answer. In fact, he says in verse three, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him, which means either this healing will be seen to be the purpose in him being born blind, or I prefer this happened with him being blind, with the result that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, this will be the conclusion. His healing will be the conclusion of him being born blind. But either way, Jesus doesn't equate sickness with sin in a simple way. He doesn't give a neat explanation for it, which is a helpful reminder to us 
to not try to find simplistic explanations for things that God seems happy to leave us with mystery. What we do know from this story and from stories throughout the Gospels, throughout the Bible, and from the entire range of church history is that Jesus has no problem healing. Let's hear from Charlie, who's experienced healing. Morning, guys. Um, Tim's asked me to share a quick testimony of healing. Um, so yeah, so my, my testimony is from a few years back. Um, I was at a Christian youth event called New Day. I'm sure some of you have heard of it. Uh, I think I was about 12 or 13, and I'd um, all my life been suffering from asthma and, and being allergic to cats and dogs, which kind of came together to become a, a kind of super... Um, a super cough when I got around animals um, but one year at New Day I was uh, asked my friends to pray for me and um, then I ran around the campsite to test it, if it had been if I'd been healed and unfortunately I had and um, like even now I can I've, I've started running during lockdown and I can run for those distances fine without feeling uh, any restriction to my breathing other than like normal exercise um, and yeah, I can be around animals just fine, and it's no no longer an issue. It's just kind of a reminder to me that not only is he's a god of god of big things and big healing, but he's also a god who cares for little things like my asthma and my um, allergies to animals. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks for telling your story. We're going to have an opportunity to pray at the end for those who would love God to heal them. Back to the story. Whether Jesus had healed this man or not, the greater goal in verse 3 is that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, that God might be glorified or magnified or seem to be how great he is in what happens to that man. In fact, that's meant to be the goal of everything in this universe to know and to make known the ultimate worth of God. Why? Because the greatest treasure and good any of us can ever have is not temporary physical healing, magnificent as that is, but eternal, permanent, spiritual healing, whereby we come to see Jesus for who he is and glorify God and put our trust in him. Which means that whether you're healed from an illness by the power of God or sustained through an illness by the power of God, the point is the work of God is being displayed in this person and this situation. On uh, last Sunday, uh, Jackie had a phone call from a family in the church that I used to lead in Torquay. A member there had died. He'd been ill for a long time with motor neurone disease, absolutely awful illness. And he had died peacefully in his sleep, but tragically and horrifically for the rest of his family. Now, a number of years ago, while we were in Torquay, he had a real battle with cancer. And he came through that. God sustained him and brought him through that, healed him, if you like, through that. And God was glorified in John being healed from cancer. But let me tell you, God was glorified as well as John 
knew God's sustaining power as he battled with motor neurone disease, speaking and saying and living out that Jesus can be trusted in all things. So God is glorified by, in John chapter 9, by the witness of this blind man's healing. He's going around, I'm sure, saying, Jesus, you're amazing. Thank you for healing me. But he's also glorified when his power enables you to say, Jesus, you're amazing at sustaining me every day in my suffering. You are the strength in my weakness. But then back to the story. That's a punchline. The punchline comes in verse 39, right near the end. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Well, another translation of the Bible puts it in these words. Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day making all distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. This is the punchline of the whole chapter of the whole story that we've been looking at. Let me explain. See, the story of physical blindness being healed becomes an occasion to highlight the far greater issue of spiritual blindness which is amply displayed by the religious leaders in this story, who they believe, who believing they're the ones who can see everything clearly about God, are actually spiritually blind, as spiritually blind as the blind man was physically blind. The reason why? Because they cannot see Jesus for who he truly is. This story of healing from physical blindness gives Jesus the opportunity to teach about the need to be healed from spiritual blindness by seeing Jesus for who he is. The issue far greater than temporary physical blindness is eternal spiritual blindness. And Jesus, who brought this man physically from darkness into light, has come as the light to bring men and women spiritually from darkness into the light. Hence, you find in John's gospel that light, darkness and seeing blindness is a common theme. So chapter one includes these words. In him, in Jesus, was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light, Jesus, shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. True light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then in chapter eight, previous to the story that we read, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so in this story, in verse five, Jesus repeats, I am the light of the world with the story of this physical healing of blindness being a physical demonstration of the spiritual reality that he really wants to get at. Jesus is the light of the world. We are all born spiritually blind. We need Jesus to heal us from our spiritual blindness. And then at the end of this passage, in verses 53, uh, sorry, 35 to 38, we get a little dialogue where we see this man's spiritual eyes being opened, just as his physical eyes have already been opened. It says this, Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. 
And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What an extraordinary encounter this man has had all in the space of one day. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. But then the question must become direct and personal. Because as we've seen throughout this series, John is consistently portraying for each of us that Jesus is the one on whom everything turns for you and for me. He's written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So just as this man was born physically blind and in encountering Jesus was able to see and walk in the light, physically and spiritually, so the Bible tells us that we are born spiritually blind and that only in encountering Jesus can we see God and walk in the light. Let me ask you, have you encountered Jesus yet? Have your eyes been opened? Has your spiritual blindness been cured? Have you been able to say yet, like this man in this story, Lord, I believe. That's what Jesus came to bring for us. Let's finish by praying for a couple of things. I'd love us to pray for physical healing. And I'd love us to pray for spiritual healing, spiritual eyes to be opened as well. So let's pray. Maybe you are physically unwell and you would love for Jesus to touch you, for you to encounter him and his healing power, just as this blind man did. Well, let's just reach out to him just now, shall we? And pray for healing. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you know all things and that you are all powerful and that you are good in everything. And Lord, we bring to you the physical ailments and illnesses represented today by those watching and say, Lord Jesus, please have mercy and heal. We ask you to heal. Why don't you just say that to him for yourself? Name what's wrong and ask him to heal. Lord, we pray for encounters with you right now and in the coming days. And maybe you've never yet said, Lord, I believe. Well, this could be your moment. Maybe your eyes are being opened. Maybe you've been watching online for a bit. Maybe you've been listening in this morning for the first time and your eyes are being opened. I need Jesus. I need eternal security. I need to know that my sins are forgiven. Well, your eyes can be opened here and now. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I ask that you will open blind eyes. That's what you came to do. That's what you did for the man in this story. That's the big deal. 
that we may be spiritually and eternally secure with you. Why don't you just take a few seconds to say, Lord, I believe. Forgive me of my sins and receive me into your family. If you've prayed that prayer, if you experience some healing as a result of this, please will you get in touch? Hello at citygate.church. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching this morning.